0: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to Biltbar.com and use promo code LockedOn20, and you'll get 20% off your next order. It's Monday. You're probably expecting Mock Draft Monday from James and myself. I'm Jake, your other host of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. But as we mentioned last week, Mock Draft Monday is on a hiatus because free agency opens next week, James, and it's time to dive in in a big way to the free agency to come. And we don't know what this is going to look like yet. That's a big thing. We've got this list of 80 to 90 free agents that we think might be of some interest to the Bengals. But with reports coming out last week about all these players that are getting released around the league, we have no idea what veterans are going to come available in the next week.
1: That's the crazy part about this free agency, Jake is we have no clue who's going to be available. We have an idea of the veterans that are going to get cut, right? We I'll assume Geno Atkins is going to be one of them for the Bengals, but there are so many guys that could be on the move and on the free agent market that this. This veteran laden group could just be flooded with guys looking for one to two year contracts, looking to prove themselves and, and then potentially test the market again when the cap goes back up to normal. So. It's uh, it's going to be a crazy, wild couple of weeks, and I think this is just the first of what is going to be a bunch of scenarios and a bunch of veterans and a, be- a bunch of potential free agents that we talk about over the coming weeks that could potentially help the Bengals.
0: Yeah, what's going to be interesting is when we look back on this episode in like a week and, and we see how much things have changed in just a week with the flurry of activity expected this week as as teams try to make cap space still a number of teams, about half the league, very, very tight to the cap. And you're seeing teams like the Eagles and the Saints. I mean, even that J.J. Watt deal using void years to an unprecedented degree league wide. Previously, looking around the league, the only teams using void deals were like the Eagles and the Saints. And what a void year is, is essentially it's a part of an extension, a part of a contract like JJ Watts deal has three void years in it, I think. And all that does is it takes that signing bonus and it prorates it over the actual deals of players playing for the team in addition to those void years. And that's just a cap exercise. That signing bonus still gets paid up front, but from a cap perspective, the cap hit is delayed. So what happens is JJ Watts signing bonus instead of getting paid over two years against the cap gets paid over two years. And then the, those extra prorated years, the extra years prorated at the end of those void years accelerates into a dead cap hit when the deal expires. So all these teams that are using void years on deals are setting themselves up for some potential headaches and potential dead cap cap hits later, but they'll deal with that when the cap is bigger, right? That's the thought there. The Bengals by the way, did release B.J. Finney since we last recorded, James. they are going to be guys like that, too, who had promising careers. And then if you go read the stuff about Finney, sounds like he was really derailed by COVID, didn't come into camp in shape, was afraid to work out and hurt himself, just like Trey Waynes in Cincinnati, right? Was afraid that he wouldn't pass his physical. And so you're going to have guys like that who maybe didn't have their best years because of COVID for one reason or another, A dramatically changing landscape. But James, we've started with that list of 80, 90 free agents. We've both gone through and and put our tiers on them. And we have some disagreements.
1: Surprise, surprise, we disagree, Jake, right? That's a shocker there. No, look, and I I don't think there are giant disagreements, but there's certainly some. And I think it's about how we viewed this and how the, the approach we took to this tiered concept in our charting and how we looked at the players and, uh, you know, the money and, and the things behind it. I mean, I look at these guys, uh, you and I both agree the Bengals should bring back William Jackson III if, if the deal is reasonable, right? And yet you have him as a tier one, I have him as a tier two. Daryl Williams, a guy who should be high on the Bengals' target list if they're looking at uh, the right tackle position, he's a tier two on your board, Here's a tier. he's a tier one on my board. So there are little disagreements in here and uh, I, I think that part of it's interesting. But if I told you the Bengals signed William Jackson and Darrell Williams, you'd be happy about that. And I think I would be happy about that. So even though there's differences, I think ultimately we agree that uh, they hopefully are high on the Bengals board.
0: Yeah, and you're right. I think it comes down to like a difference of approach, right? And and how we did this. For me, those guys are where they are because it's which wave of free agency it's kind of how we did this last year. And which wave of free agency am I signing William Jackson? I think William Jackson is probably the best or one of the top two or three corners available. If he walks, the Bengals don't have a corner. He, they, they need a starting corner. So for me, that makes it a tier one kind of thing. That's a high priority for me. That's not to say that a guy like Daryl Williams isn't a high priority for me. He, he's the the tier two, the, the wave two of free agency tackle. And by wave two here, I mean, I think that he gets signed after Trent Williams. And if Taylor Moten hit the market, I think he gets signed after Taylor Moten hits the market. Now, reports are that Taylor Moten will be franchise tagged. It sounds like uh-huh. we're going to have to take him off the list, two thumbs down. Uh, but that that's just like a difference in methodology,
1: right? That That's all that mm-hmm. is, I think. Sure, and, and absolutely. And, and so that part of it, does it will make it interesting here as we dive into? All right, we we have a tier one and a tier three and a tier three of of the guys that we that we target and we ultimately sign in this you know free agent mock Monday that we're doing here on Locked On Bengals. But no, this has been fun because you, you get to rank these guys and see. I mean, in the crazy part about this list, Jake, and you said it, the names that we add to this list over the next week are going to be wild. We're going to add a lot of names to this list, quality players that aren't tier five guys, and it's five tiers. So not just bottom tier, but tier three, high end tier four guys that you feel good about that can give the Bengals a boost. And so this is going to be exciting. It's going to be an unprecedented free agency, something the league hasn't seen ever. And it's at a time where the Bengals can hopefully take advantage of it with the cap space they have. Absolutely. I'm looking forward
0: to this free agency period. I do feel bad for all these veterans I, I i think it's a really exciting time for fans because of the guys that will be available to their teams for 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 our fans for for the fans that listen to this show for the fans of the Bengals because the Bengals have money to spend there are a lot of fans that are fans of teams like the Eagles and the Saints they're not having fun right now they're the teams that are letting go of these veterans and and I, again i i feel for the veterans here and i hope that they land reasonable deals as as they try to maximize Kind of the, the waning years of their NFL career, right? And with all that said, we're going to go into some scenarios on this podcast. We're going to talk about some groups of free agent signings that might make sense for the Bengals as we get into free agency focus for the next couple of weeks.
1: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college hoops, NHL all in full swing, plus Maybe you think the Bengals are really going to boost their team over the next few weeks. If that's the case, maybe the odds will change a little bit in the AFC North, those future odds. You can get them all at betonline.ag. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. So head there right now, betonline.ag. You can use your mobile device, your laptop, or computer, and be sure to use Promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, betonline.ag. Use promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's dive into some free agent scenarios, Jake. And this first one is going to include one tier one free agent, uh, a t- three tier three free agents. And a tier four to five free agent, but the way we did this, it wasn't just based on tier. It's based on overall money too, which w- you took from the the Pro Football Focus average per year that they estimate for the contracts of these free agents. So, in some scenarios, you can bend it and get a tier one and a tier two, and then you might be getting a low end tier three, a tier four, you know, d- depending. So we we've kind of changed that a little bit, and it's based on money. And I like this because I, I think that's what, one, makes the world go around, what's going to drive the Bengals and all the rest of the, the league uh, in this free agency period. Um, so let's uh, let's start with you. Who's your, your top tier free agent that you're going through in this scenario? Well, and I ended
0: up doing it a little bit differently than you did within this scenario. Y- you were a little bit more of a strict adherent to the rules, a little bit. Neither of us <laughs> did a great job of sticking to our self-imposed rules here. But I went a little bit more expensive for, for for my first two guys and then tried to dip into the bargain bucket a little bit for my next three guys. So everyone remembers last year, and you pointed this out before we started recording, the Bengals franchise tagged AJ Green. That was like an $18 million cap hit. And then they spent pretty good money on DJ Reader and on uh, Trey Waynes. And they kind of pushed those cap hits off a little bit. Those kick in this year. They extended Mixon. But they didn't put any of that money except for the prorated signing bonus into the, current, into the last year of his rookie deal. So his cap number doesn't increase until this year. But all of that said, the Bengals still have a lot of money to play with this offseason. And so, thinking along those same lines, and, and that doesn't even mention Von Bell and Mackenzie Alexander, right? So, thinking along those same lines, you made a really good point about that. I've got in this scenario, the Bengals bring back one of their own guys in Carl Lawson. And it's going to be expensive, but I think that he is good and I think that he's young and I think that if they want to do anything remotely productive on that defensive line, I think that it starts with Carl Lawson. The one big external free agent I have them going though, talking about the tier one guy is Joe Tooney, who even Jeff Hobson in his most recent Hobson's Choice mailbag acknowledges could be in the cards for the
1: Bengals. Wow. One, look at you and look at Jeff butch hops and diving into the, the free agent pool and looking at the guard position. I get it. And and I I'll start with Carl Lawson. I'm with you. I, I have him as my tier one guy, whether they sign him or they uh it, it just place the franchise tag on him. I think they're going to keep him. He is twenty-five years old. He's a guy that generates pressure, and it doesn't take a football expert to watch him and see that he makes an impact. Now, does he need help? Absolutely. Is he worth $20 million per in one of these elite edge rushers? No. And, and, and so that's that's why maybe they can't get a long-term deal done. Uh, I could see the franchise tag, which they have until March 9th, which tick, tick, tick. Depending on when you're listening to this, th- there's a chance that uh, we're really close to that franchise tag deadline, which, again, I, I would be shocked if they just let Carl Lawson hit free agency, but you know, maybe it, it happens. And I went the offensive line route as well. When you're talking about the big external offensive line, free agent signing or our free agent signing, rather, I, I went with Daryl Williams. I love the idea of having Williams squared on the edges for the Bengals. You got Jonah on one side, you got Daryl Williams on the other. We're not at the draft yet. So that right now would be their, their starting offensive line. If they could sign a guy like Daryl Williams, go give me him. Yeah, you, t- Taylor Moten's not going to be available That's a huge bummer That stinks Honestly, it really does Because there's going to be more pseudo- suitors for Darrell Williams Who I think, again, is a huge upgrade And if you can Secure the edges, essentially By adding a Darrell Williams at right tackle And keeping Carl Lawson around long-term Not just a franchise tag, but long-term Then that's going to give you plenty of cap to to play with Because you're not spending $16-17 in cap uh, on the, the franchise tag with Carl Lawson, and that number could be much more manageable in 2021.
0: Yeah, that's that's a bit of a fear of mine. The the cap hit of a franchise tag is all in the same year. They, they can't push any of the money into the future with a signing bonus. It's just a big cap hit if they have to tag Lawson and they can't get a long-term deal done. My strong preference is that they get a three, four-year deal done with Lawson, but I can see the team balking at the kind of money he wants and I can see Lawson thinking I'm just going to go get as much money as I can. So mm-hmm. nothing will really surprise me there. I just hope that it's a long-term deal. Let's talk about the guys that we rounded out. We we each picked five players here that we rounded out our free agency with and there are some very similar themes. We we got the same positions here more or less if you look at the group of five. I mean, I I've got a corner, I've got an offensive tackle, I've got an edge rusher. You've got a, an edge rusher, a corner, and since you went tackle earlier, you've got a, a guard down here with some
1: swing flexibility. Exactly right. I, it's great minds think alike, Jake, and I, we're certainly the, the names are different, but the, the positions are the same. And in my offseason plan, heck, when was that? About a month ago. I went after Alden Smith. I think he's a freak. He's a guy that could certainly serve as a, an edge rusher opposite Carl Lawson and make an impact. And I think that that's a guy if you can get it a, a manageable one to two year deal. And that depend if it's a one year seven million dollar range or you know $14, 15 million dollar range over two seasons, that's a no brainer. It, it certainly adds exactly what the Bengals are looking for short term, and you can still draft an edge rusher and develop in that area.
0: And what a story for Alden Smith, the, the comeback story. There, there's certainly something to be said about his off-field stuff, and you hope that that is cleaned up, and he's just out there to play football now and be an upstanding citizen. He's going to be 32 this year, James, and you love to call me an ageist, and, and that might be what's coming out here a little bit. If you're getting Alden <laughs> Smith for you know $7.5 a, a year, I would rather spend that money on somebody a little bit younger, maybe a Hassan Reddick who has a breakout year as a pass rusher or the guy that I picked in this scenario, Romeo Okwara turns 26 in a few months and had a big breakout late in the year. It was really only a four week sample size Owen. that's the thing with Romeo Okwara. It was week 12 to week 17 where he was PFF's number three graded pass rusher. How much of that is quality of competition? We talked about that with the Bengals last year. And when their offensive line looked better, a lot of that was some of the guys they were playing against. That could be it for Okwara as well. But if, if you truly believe he's figured something out and, and he's turned the corner, you could potentially get a guy young, 26 years old, that is, is on the cusp of being a very, very good pass rushing fixture in this league. And then we both went cornerback too. I go for the former Bengal, the guy that probably should have stuck on the team, an undrafted free agent signing that we really liked. And that's Troy Hill. He turns 30 this year. He's 29 and a half as of this recording, but he's projected to get a two year deal worth just north of $5 million per year. He moved into the slot for the Rams. And of course, Zach Taylor knows him from his time with the Rams. So a veteran guy with positional flexibilities, played outside, played inside. The Bengals know him. Another guy James and Butch Hobson talked about in his most recent piece. So my guy is Troy Hill here. You went in a little bit of a different direction, but it's another guy the Bengals are pretty familiar with.
1: Yep, went with a Pittsburgh Steeler. Former Steeler Mike Hilton, come on down. I love it. If you could bring him in, and and I like Hill too, right, in, in Aquara. So like I don't think either of us are necessarily wrong but uh, if you could get Hilton on a, a reasonable deal, and in this scenario, it's $4 million per, I feel great about a deal like that. And, and the I guess the point here with corner, especially nickel corner, there's going to be value there because the market's going to be flooded with solid nickel corners. So it might not be Mackenzie Alexander, and it doesn't feel like he's going to be back. But the Bengals should be able to add a, a quality corner to to replace him in free agency so they don't have to necessarily address that in the draft because they can do it with a proven commodity.
0: And you also went with another steeler to round things out in Filer. It's Steeler week,
1: I guess. It, it, it's Steeler segment at least. If Filer, the reason I like Filer is is because one, you mentioned it, the position versus versatility. Look, Jonah Williams has played 10 games over the past 2 years and who knows with him? Who knows if you go out and you sign Um, you know, a veteran tackle, even a Darrell Williams, right? Guys miss time. So if you can add a starting guard, but can also kick the right tackle specifically for a game or two, if you need him to, that would be good. That would be, you know, a quality guy to bring on board. And and I think he would succeed with Frank Pollock, too. I think that would be a pretty good fit as well in Filer. So the offensive line, Darrell Williams, Matt Filer, sign me up. We boost the edge and and have a nickel corner. Uh, I feel pretty good about it.
0: And for me, I go with Rick Wagner as my last guy. Green Bay cut him. He might retire. So if he retires, obviously this changes. Turns 32 (laughs) this year, which goes against my ageism accusations, James. Wow.
1: Yeah, maybe you're not ageist after all.
0: But he's he's projected to get a bargain, $4.5 million. The thing I like about Rick Wagner is... He's been good for most of his career. He had a down year in 2019 Bounced back for the Packers this year was a surprise release. And even if they draft Penny Sewell, Rick Wagner is a guy that at four and a half million dollars a year, if that's what it ends up being, you don't mind paying that to your backup to be a really good backup. I'm not sure if that money is going to be accurate for Rick Wagner, considering what you're seeing projected for guys like, uh, you know, Cam Robinson, I mean much younger. So It'll depend on if the league sees Wagner as a journeyman or as a starter. But those are my five, and and we both go very similar routes, right? Same positions, different names. Up next, we've got one more scenario with different names to talk about. We've been telling you about Built Bar on the Lockdown Bengals podcast for quite some time now. The best tasting protein bar on the market. The low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar. James's favorite thing to eat every single day. 100% real chocolate on all the bars. And now it's time to find out which flavor of Bilt Bar is the best flavor. It is Built Bar Madness time. And you're going to get to vote on your favorite Bilt Bar. There's a bracket put together. You can check it out at BiltBar.com or Built Bar on Twitter. My favorite personally and the one that I'm hoping runs the table is the coconut brownie chunk. The real pieces of brownie in there go such a long way in taking it that extra step toward real candy bar taste. Huge fan. Remember, use promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. That's LOCKEDON20 for 20% off your next order. And go check on today's matchup. Make sure you vote for that coconut brownie chunk, and we'll see which flavor takes down the title. James, something that Paul Daner Jr. has been talking about in his pieces previewing the free agency period on The Athletic is that he doesn't necessarily think that the Bengals are going to go big on one guy. He thinks that they might have a free agency period somewhat like previous years, although he has formerly also written that he thinks there's a 70% chance they could sign a guy like Joe Tooney. And he does think they're going to go out there and sign a couple of guys to improve the offensive line. But what Paul thinks is essentially that they're not playing in tier one. So what does free agency look like if the Bengals don't play in that first wave at all? And by first wave, we mean guys like Allen Robinson, Leonard Williams, Trent Williams, Brandon Scherf, etc. Even Joe Tooney probably makes that cut. For me, Darrell Williams doesn't quite make that cut. So maybe in the real world, we'll find out in just over a week, He is one of the first free agents gone. But for me, Daryl Williams is absolutely a priority free agent signing. And I see that you've double dipped. You've taken him in both your scenarios.
1: I did. Yeah, because you can argue. It's crazy. Like to me, and I wonder how the Bengals view him, but neither of us are really wrong about him because there is a scenario where he's the top right tackle and you could view him as the top right tackle in free agency and, you know, back up the Brinks truck. He's going to get paid huge, huge money. At the same time, you could look at it and say, yeah, but Tooney, sure, if they're going to get more, they're more proven. And I know they're not the same position. Uh, Trent Williams, obviously going to get more. Maybe Darrell Williams doesn't really sign for four or five days in the free agency. Right. And, and, and it isn't the, the first day or first wave, as you put it. So I could see it either way. What I'm saying is, is if I'm the Bengals, He's on my list regardless, and I'm trying to get him because it, I think it makes a ton of sense. And Jonah Williams's positional versatility allows you to go after a right tackle like that, not have to worry about what happens in the draft. So, I think getting Daryl Williams would be a home run. And if you're listening to this show
0: and both of us are are talking about Daryl Williams, you're like, "Oh, Daryl Williams, man! Like he was a cheap acquisition for Buffalo. He wasn't very good when I watched him in the playoffs." Go watch him against T.J. Watt last year. T.J. He, he had his way with T.J. Watt for a vast majority of that game. The creativity and, and some of the fake punches he uses that got T.J. Watt lunging and then he just caught T.J. Watt, his length, his bulk, just too much for T.J. Watt. And really, it's it's mostly the length with him that just plays so nicely. Joe and I watched some reps of that game, really impressed with some of the things Daryl Williams brings, especially as a pass protector. And that length just plays so nicely. The anchor plays so nicely. The grip strength plays so nicely, and it's something that the Bengals have been
1: missing with Bobby Hart at right tackle. And that's exactly what you want, right? So to me, if you can secure that, without worrying about the draft or worrying about what are they going to do at guard or worry about that to me is is such a a thing. So to me, he should be one of the top priorities for the Bengals when you're talking about outside free agents. But you could re- make a, a really good argument that he is a tier two guy. And in to me, the Bengals might say you can get Daryl Williams instead of a Trent Williams because we can also get this guy, this guy, this guy. And he's 85% of what Trent is, plus he's younger. And and so that's why I think he's a realistic candidate. Another one that is interesting, and I have the Bengals signing here, is center Corey Lindsley. 11 million bucks. He's a really high-end center, best center on the free agent market. And and maybe you go after him and bolster the interior of the, the offensive line that way. Because it, it would still stabilize a position that is really questionable going into the season, at least at this stage. You don't know what's going to be going on with Trey Hopkins' knee after tearing the ACL. Do you really want to bank on Billy Price? And I think you could upgrade at guard elsewhere. So I could certainly see the Bengals making a run at a a center like Corey Lindsley.
0: Lindsley, an Ohio guy from Youngstown, Ohio. And the thing that is kind of uncomfortable to talk about because I really like Trey Hopkins is they could also release Trey Hopkins. If they, if they go sign Corey Lindsley, they do save a not insignificant amount of money by making that release. So it's unfortunate because he's injured. It would be kind of a uncool thing to happen, but from a financial perspective, they could save some money there and put it toward a guy like Corey Lindsley. If they want to, the other guy that we haven't talked about and isn't on this board yet for an idea of a guy who might be on this board. Next week, who isn't right now, Andrew Norwell, might get cut by the Jaguars from Cincinnati. Very good pass blocking guard for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we'll see if he becomes available and makes either of these scenarios this time next week. My second guy, though, James, is Curtis Samuel. PFF has him at $8.3 million per year, and I pay him up to $10 million per year very happily I think he is a great fit for the offense. I think that he does a lot in terms of his ability to run the ball. It gives you a lot of package versatility. You know, you put Joe Mixon out wide, Curtis Samuel in the backfield, or Samuel and Mixon in the same backfield. Or you go out there with four wide receivers, no running backs. How are they going to treat Curtis Samuel, who can take handoffs and be an effective runner? He's also extremely fast, effective on horizontal routes, and I think – that he can win more vertically than the Panthers asked him to. So I went wide receiver and Curtis Samuel here. You get Darrell Williams, you got Curtis Samuel. You have all of the flexibility in the world at number five if you start with those two guys, and I really like that. To fill it out then, since everything is a little bit cheaper in this scenario, there's no tier one guy. You can spend a little bit more on those tier two, tier three guys. I go Sheldon Rankins coming off injury, I think under perhaps appreciated by NFL fans, really, really strong defensive tackle prospect when he came into the league has dealt with injuries, but when he's been on the field has been very, very good. And I'm taking an injury gamble there that Rankins can get back to health and be a dominant duo with with
1: DJ Reader in Cincinnati. I don't blame you. I think that's something that they could certainly look at. I went with one more... Big money. I have three double-digit free agents here: Lindsay at 11 million, Daryl Williams at 10.5, and Melvin Ingram at 10 million dollars. Once upon a time, a young James Irpine said that the Bengals should draft Melvin Ingram over Drake Kirkpatrick in the draft. So I'm writing the ship here, even though Ingram was bad. We looked at this. We went down this rabbit hole a couple weeks ago, and Ingram obviously struggled his first few years in the league with injuries. It's been really a problem throughout his career. But when he's been on the field, He's been a a hell of a pass rusher, and I think that he's a guy, if you could get him uh, in in this scenario, bolster your pass rush a bit, you're going to need to, and so he certainly helps in that department.
0: He's one of those guys that you could see signing like a one-year deal or two-year deal Mm -hmm. maybe, and that would be a really nice pairing with Carl Lawson. I also went edge here. I neglected the offensive line a little bit. I got two guys on the offensive side of the ball in Williams and Samuel, but the rest of these guys are on defense. I have two edge guys to wrap things up. I'm really going in on the defensive line in this scenario, kind of a Hobson scenario, because I feel like if you get the tackle and you get the wide receiver,
1: it gives you the flexibility to do that. I'm gonna call you Jake Luana Rumo Lisco now, with oh, your no. uh, your defensive mindset here. Look at you loading up on defense. Oh no.
0: Yeah team so Anarumo. I, I'm trying to fix the pass rush here a little bit in this one because in this scenario, Carl Lawson is gone. And so you need guys on the edge. Hassan Reddick is a guy who found his way as a pass rusher a little bit. I think he has a little bit of positional versatility, a lot of athleticism. The, The concern here, a lot like Okwara in my previous scenario, is a little bit of a flash in the pan. So you're betting on him having figured something out rather than just having a hot streak. And my last guy, staying in the division, Tyus Bowser from the Baltimore Ravens, projected by PFF to get about $7 million a year, turns 26 this year has had a remarkably steady last couple of years, has been above average, has been a solid player on the edge, and Lou Anarumo loves dropping his edge guys into coverage. PFF notes that he's dropped into coverage 301 times in his career, so if he's asked to do that, has some comfort with that role.
1: Jake Lou Anarumo Lisko. Man, that that has an awful ring to it. All right, my last, <laughs> and you're not wrong, they they would certainly need if they didn't have Carl Lawson to be aggressive and, and add another edge. They better keep Carl Lawson, I guess, is the point of this exercise. I have them going with the receiver as well, a guy that really it's just too easy not to to say, oh, well, Zach Taylor's going to go get his guy from his Rams days in Josh Reynolds and at $4.25 million, according to PFF, I think that's a no-brainer, like a one-year deal for that or a two-year deal for million i mean that's just it's such a value and then another guy that once upon a time the Bengals looked at in the first round and they picked arquez denard over him jason verrett and i think when he's healthy and he's rarely been healthy he might be one of the higher end nickels in the nfl and at five million bucks i'm willing to roll the dice i know he's 30 years old i'm not as ageist as you i'm going to be 30 in august and i feel like i'm entering my prime jake So it, it, maybe it's thanks to built bar, but I'm, uh, I'm rolling with Jason Verrett and, you know, if the Bengals sign him, maybe we'll work out something with built bar so they can send him some, so he can be ready to go for, for week one in Cincinnati. Love
0: Jason Verrett as a player, not going to knock Jason Verrett as a player. I have big injury concerns with Jason Verrett, obviously. And, and so I think the Bengals will too, but I mean, the, the names are fine. Like Melvin Ingram. Yeah, he'd be great if he stays healthy on a on a two year deal or something like that. Josh Reynolds, I love Josh Reynolds coming out of school. I thought he was a yeah. Marvin Jones of that draft class, the, the round four, round five guy that could push the envelope and be a vertical, you know, pretty pretty good number two receiver. And and he's kind of gone the way of a number three receiver in the NFL, which is fine. I, I think he would make the team better. It certainly doesn't lock you out of picking a wide receiver at number five or, or a Kyle Pitts at number five if you're very high on him. But there are some scenarios for you. Scenario one from me, Joe Tooney, Carl Lawson, Romeo Okwara, Troy Hill, Rick Wagner. Scenario one from James, Carl Lawson, Daryl Williams, Alden Smith, Matt Filer, Mike Hilton. Kind of like yours a little bit more there, James, if I'm being honest. Scenario two, Daryl Williams, Curtis Samuel, Sheldon Rankins, Hassan Reddick, Tyus Bowser going heavy on the defensive line after getting a couple guys that I think are significant upgrades on offense. And you've got Corey Lindsley, Daryl Williams, Melvin Ingram, Josh Reynolds, Jason Brett. I like mine a little bit more here, to be honest,
1: James, just because I, I have some injury concerns about your guys. Sure. I, I went older. I mean, Lindsley's 30. Daryl's under, you know, Daryl and Reynolds are in their 20s still, but Aegis, you, of course, you hated my group. I get it. I understand it. It fits the theme. Here's what I will say, regardless, I liked scenario one from both of us more than the other scenario two. Like what you did in scenario one to me, I think I like more than what you did in scenario two. And, and that probably is a testament to, to keeping Carl Lawson more than anything in, in a Lawson O'Quara duo with Wagner and Tooney. And, and and you know maybe they do get Sewell in that scenario. Actually, I don't know. I might like your second scenario more. I don't. It's close, but but for me, I like my first scenario better than my second scenario, no doubt.
0: It's it's interesting because it's sort of similar money spend, right? And, and that's mm-hmm. what we have to keep in mind. And the other thing to keep in mind is in these Carl Lawson scenarios, there there are ways. This is this is not what the Bengals are going to be limited to spending. But just for the purposes of this exercise, looking at what they did last year, trying to do something similar, just some scenarios to talk about. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked Bengals podcast. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, hootay, and have a good one.